Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Blokeology, evidence-based health, fitness and lifestyle. I'm Dr. Ewan Lawson and show notes for today's episode can be found at blokeology.io forward slash 034. Um, and today I'm just going to keep it very simple and I think it's going to be a really super short episode. Not quite an in-between episode, but um, we're between interviews, having had a month of interviews with people like Zonka Ahrens, Rory O'Connor, Brendan Stubbs and um, Simon Tobin just last week. And so like I did back a few episodes ago, I just want to draw a breath, have a little bit of a recap for a few minutes and reflect just a little bit on that before um, going on, pausing and going on with the next round of interviews and other evidence and papers to look into. So I thought I'd also just do a little bit of a personal update as well, just to get a feel for what I'm up to. So it's not just rammed in in between. And I hope that's of some interest just to give you a feel with the daily struggles I have as well in terms of keeping fit, staying healthy and managing uh, work and modern lifestyle. Um, if you want to get more involved with the podcast, as usual, it's exactly the same. Um, I've got a regular newsletter that I'm sending out fortnightly um, with sort of evidence-based tips and just ideas and thoughts on health and fitness. And you can sign up for that at blokeology.io forward slash journal. And also you can pick up a free copy of something called the Healthy Bloke Action Plan, which just sets out a very basic kind of like a mini audit you can do of your lifestyle in some key areas um, to do a little evidence-based assessment. Um, so in terms of my own personal update, well, I've got back to running over the past month, I suppose, since I last sat down and did one of these. I did have um, a calf injury. And it was um, something like my third calf injury this year. Um, and I think that reflects a problem. And I, I certainly mentioned that when I was chatting to um, uh, some guests in the past. And um, so I just took it really easy. I've had about six weeks. I've been really careful. I didn't actually, I was lucky. I didn't actually have to stop exercising. I was able to still to go out. I had to mostly walk. Um, and I found that walking uphill was okay. Didn't really trigger it off too much. Um, and it was really when I was running and pushing off hard and it was quite a kind of mid calf. So it definitely wasn't an Achilles tendonitis thing. So six weeks of being really careful with that. And actually I seem to have got back to normal now the last week or two. And I'm starting to think actually having been back a week or two, I can maybe start rolling in some slightly harder sessions, maybe some speed work again, if I feel like it. But equally in doing stuff like speed work and intervals is nice. It gives you sort of a sense of achievement and I feel like I do get fitter. But equally, it's just nice to go out and take it easy. I was out this morning for a fell run for three quarters of an hour, 50 minutes. And really, I didn't really have a plan for the run. I just went out and took it really easy. Just didn't get that too out of breath and just enjoyed being outside on what was a nice, sunny, clear morning. Um, I've been doing a little bit of cycling on indoors again on the turbo when the weather's been colder. And I've got to admit, I've been a bit of a Jesse about going outside in the slightly colder, rainier weather. And I'm rapidly turning into a fair weather cyclist. But I do think the thing about the turbo is, um, gosh, it just gets you tremendously fit. It just seems to be incredibly effective. And I've kind of rolled off that a few times um, in a bit of a state. And so it's just so much more intense than being outside. Um, so it's really effective. I I'm trying to do more of other things like yoga. And I'm getting back into the weight training again now. We've got a little kind of uh, set of weights. Um, ready and set up in our spare room in the house and so I've gone back to doing the five by five strong lifts um, and that's the, an app I'll put a link to that in the show notes um, which is a really simple kind of really simple scheme of just three compound exercises that it starts at a really low level and just gradually builds you up 
like by two, two and a half kilograms a time. Really straightforward. You do five repetitions, five times uh, with a minute and a half in between in terms of uh, the rest between the reps, uh, between the sets, I should say. Um, and do you know what, Kush, that just seems incredibly effective. And I'm hoping that having the option to do that inside will really help. And I'm going to make a big effort this winter to do that strength training, keep doing some regular yoga and um, stay injury free, hopefully. As I've said before, the, kind of the evidence is really strong about strength training and uh, being a, almost a dose dependent relationship in terms of uh, preserving you from injury. Otherwise, I would say that, gosh, well, the clocks have gone back and I actually wrote in the newsletter how that can affect your mood. And I'm not sure if it's a, my mood's been affected by the clocks going back at all. Um, but it is easy to get a little bit flatter at this time of year, I think, when it's um, uh, quieter. I've carried on doing the minimal journaling, which I talked about a few episodes back. And that's been, I found that really cool. I'm now up to 47 days at the time of recording this. And so I've got a couple of pages worth of my little mini journal and what it is is again i can maybe call it mini box journaling or something might be one way to call it and what you do is just on a page of a notebook you draw a very small box no more than two centimeters by two centimeters or an inch by an inch if you prefer the old imperial prefer old money and inside that box you can you can track whatever you want really so again if it's just a way it's a habit tracker more than anything and i'm tracking in there um, whether i've overeaten uh, how many coffees i'm having um, how many words I'm writing, because that's really important to me at the moment um, in terms of kind of uh, being productive, but also just something I enjoy doing that gives me a lot of pleasure. Um, whether I've exercised and what kind of exercise, and I just write a single letter in there to as a little code for that. And what I've eaten as well, whether I've eaten meat or fish or what have you. And actually, I've, it's been interesting to see how much about 80, 90%, 90% of my diet is now is more vegetarian. So, um, it sounds complicated, but actually it's just, it boils down into, let's say, a one-inch box, really simple. And it's a really incredible way to sort of see what you've been doing over the past few weeks. And I've, obviously I've been going now for a month and a half, and I'm finding that incredibly useful. The main thing that I think is also really valuable about it is that in the middle, you write one thing you want to remember about the day. Or another way to think of it is there's one thing you want to be grateful about for the day. So in effect, it's a gratitude journal as well. Um, and gratitude journals have got really evidence, uh, really good evidence. I would say really good evidence. There is some decent evidence. Um, I think it was Emin and McCulloch. It might be Emin and McCulloch. Um, are the names of the two psychologists from California who um, did some experiments on gratitude and showed some incredible benefits that really seemed to improve well-being in people. And it wasn't just self-reported well-being. It was actually family members commenting about how other people um, how their family member who was involved in the trial had seemed to be um, just happier, had a better mood. Um, and so there seems to be really good evidence for that. And gratitude journaling, I think, is a really simple thing to do. And it's just an opportunity to, you know, sit down and something that you're, it could be really dead, simple stuff, and you don't have to write a lot. So and in, in a one-inch box, you can only get two or three words. So you just write down one thing that you want to remember the day for or you want to be grateful for. And, um, and I'm finding that really beneficial. And because it's so easy, it's literally just a minute or two a day, like less 60 seconds. And I've done it. And actually, it built up a really nice picture. And um, what I will do, actually, is I've got, um, I'll stick a link in the note, show notes to um, a photograph of my first page, just so that you can see that if you want to have a look and get a feel for it, um, the kind of things that you can do. 
Um, so I guess one of the things I am recording in that is that in terms of a personal update, and this is not really a health fitness thing, but um, I do find it's good for my well-being is that I'm writing fiction this month because it is National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. And if you've not come across NaNoWriMo before, the whole idea is that you write 50,000 words in the 30 days of November. Um, and so I've been dabbling with fiction for a little while and I'm keen to actually get finished, um, get a book out there, self-publish it, indie publish it and get going. Um, and so I've really been working on one this month. And, uh, you know, we're halfway through the month at this stage. I'm actually on target, which is probably the best I've ever done with NaNoWriMo. Um, in fact, I'm a little bit over target. So I'm confident that I'm going to get there with that. And I'm pressing on. And, as you know, um, it's been, you know, that's one of those things that actually in terms of well-being. It's just if it's your interest, it's like a hobby. And if you find even just a few moments a day to do that, I'm finding that really beneficial. So just very quickly, a few thoughts on previous episodes. So um, in the past few weeks, we've had, a, again, a couple of mental health health related episodes um, and also uh, one about slightly different, which is about more productivity in writing smart notes with Zonka Ahrens. I mean, it, I kind of, the Zonka Ahrens thing has the potential if you write or think for a living to completely revolution, rev, try that again, revolutionize how you go about um, your business. And I'm just finding that incredibly beneficial. I'm still not perhaps doing as much or adding as much to my Zettelkasten, as it's called the slip box. But, um, uh, you know, I'm getting there. I'm still working at it and I can feel things starting to develop already. Um, in episode 31, I think it was, we had uh, Rory O'Connor. Um, and Rory was is the director of the Suicide Behaviour Research Lab up in Glasgow. Uh, and just some incredible information from Rory about uh, the kind of behaviours that can happen around suicide, what makes someone start to th- become more suicidal and have suicidal thoughts, and then the behaviours that then lead someone to um, commit suicide. And I say commit suicide, but actually that's probably not the right language. And it, one of my other jobs at the British Journal of General Practice, we had a letter just in the past week or so saying that I think people are trying to move away from that language of saying commit suicide, and it has connotations of it being a sin, of it being illegal, of it being a crime. And it and it helps to um, it's worsening the stigmatization around suicide and the fact that people can't talk about it. So um, need to find another form of words. I'm not quite sure what form of words I might use for that. I mean, I've got some mixed feelings about some of these kind of concerns around forms of words, but it's easy to slip into stuff like that. And actually, small changes can make a big difference to perhaps how um, something like suicide is perceived in the long run. And so I don't think it's kind of political correctness as such, which I guess is the kind of knee-jerk reaction you might get from some people. It's just recognising that when we slip into habits and phrases, that actually sometimes it's just a better way to do it. And um, it might not make much difference from me saying it once or twice, but actually if we all change the language about it, who knows the effect that that could have over years and decades to come to help improve how we go about managing suicide. Um, so uh, the other interesting thing about suicide, I said during the course of that episode that there were three or four things that maybe I was aware of you had to check when you have a conversation with someone who might be suicidal. And I thought maybe I was just behind the times. I hadn't heard about it. But actually, I asked some GP colleagues. and It turns out I'm not alone. And then I actually asked medical students as well. And they didn't come up with anything any different to the ones that I'd previously mentioned. So I think the stuff that Rory O'Connor is coming out with and his team and that paper is very much um, kind of right at the front edge of research and hopefully will translate into clinical practice in the near future. Uh, and uh, the conversation with Brendan Stubbs was 
you know, incredibly valuable, just highlighting the importance of physical activity and mental health. And um, Brendan was just a, a font of knowledge. I particularly loved the study he highlighted from the British Journal of General, uh, the British Journal of Psychiatry, British Journal of Psychiatry, which um, was the randomized controlled trial, which actually was a crossover trial where they got people to be more sedentary. Um, and I, I am um, kind of my initial reaction was I'm not sure you should be you could be allowed to do that these days. It wasn't that long ago, but the evidence is so strong about the kind of the benefits of exercise. Actually, putting someone through something which is um, makes them more unwell uh, is um, gosh. Well, I, I'm not sure it would get past an ethical committee nowadays. Um, but then that just reflects perhaps the speed of the emerging ev- emerging evidence about the benefits of exercise as well. And um, so last week on the podcast, we had Simon Tobin, who's a GP in the northwest of England as well. And he was talking about park run. And that was fabulous. And park run is all about the benefits of exercise and physical activity. But what I really liked about park run and the whole thing about it is, is that kind of community element, the fact it's addressing loneliness potentially as well for many people that are going, creating a sense of community. And it is this completely grassroots organization so it's all there's no profit motive behind it there's no corporations who are going to benefit and shareholders that are driving the whole thing it really is just about folk that get a lot out of park run and want to help other people get a lot out of it as well what's not to like so the final thing i want to mention just briefly is about kinesiology tape um and I think that's because I mentioned it on the newsletter and I tweeted about it this week as well. And it is basically a paper which was um, the influence of kinesiology tape color on performance and corticomotor activity in healthy adults, a randomized crossover control trial. Now, it was published in BMC Sports Science, Medicine and Rehabilitation. And I think the thing about it was I tweeted about it and I also made a comment about the fact that, you know, that the, basically the study shows that the tape made no difference. They had 32 people going through, you know, various tests um, and um, they were looking at things like um, uh, whether there's any benefit on lower limb performance or muscle strength. Or, so that was kind of athletic performance, quadriceps strength and neuromuscular function generally. And they found that there was no difference. But interestingly, and the thing that perhaps attracted some interest in terms of the Twitter bit was that they they tried different coloured tapes, which seems at first glance to be completely bonkers. And But, I mean, the background of the, the paper does, and so I guess I want to clarify a little bit that actually it's not quite as bonkers as it sounds because there is a little bit of evidence that knocks around that you know, there's the one example was that there's something called the red advantage, and it's been documented that team sports who play in red, and that's been associated with um, long-term success, like even in, in rugby league and also in the English Premier League. Now, my feeling is there could be lots of other factors there, but there are kind of, there's, there's, there might be that red in particular has some particular reactions to people, a threat that actually causes some change, subtle change in people, psychological change which affects how they, um, in their sports performance. And I think that was a suggest- the suggestion that actually using different colored tape, now whether it's, now this is not quite a placebo effect, it's kind of a real psychological impact that colors can change our psychology. So I think we've got to be careful not to call it a placebo effect, 
because my feeling would be that this is actually a a kind of a, something is, is the it's having it's having a real impact. I'm a bit of a placebo skeptic, in truth. I, I don't. It's not that I don't believe placebo effect doesn't exist. I just don't believe it's as strong as it could be. And what we think of as like a magical placebo effect, where just stuff happens purely out of thin air. This is an example of that, that actually if colour affects how we perceive things, affects how we think about things, for me, that's not placebo. That's a psychological impact. Um, anyway, that's a digression. But my point about this is that um, they didn't find any difference colour. They didn't find any difference with the different colours either. So all in all, though, and so the evidence around this kinesiology tape is that... Um, Actually, it doesn't seem to be that great in many ways. There's been, I think, they, they quote a systematic review in the beginning of the study that it didn't seem to have a big impact. I mean, but there, there's a mix of papers. I think some have shown benefit as well. Interesting little wrinkle there. I mean, the, the one thing that I would add as well is that I'm colorblind and don't see reds very well. So I'm pretty sure I would be, if there is an effect on that red impact, I'm certainly not going to have difficulties with it. And that's a whole other area that is very under-researched in terms of... Um, impact and color blindness it was a pretty robust crossover controlled trial and you know just showed that this tape you know it's not really doing very much not at least in their study okay so that here we go just a little gosh well i've talked for longer than i expected today i've rabbited on um but i just wanted to go back over a few things that we've covered over the past few weeks and um, have a little bit of a think about them and have some things that have happened to me in the past few weeks and just a bit of an opportunity to reflect on those. Um, we've certainly got more interviews coming. I've certainly got more interviews coming in the next few weeks, covering all sorts of different areas uh, and looking forward to those. So um, we'll catch up soon. Okay, well, thanks for listening. You can find the full show notes at www.blocology.io. Uh, you can also sign up for the newsletter, the Journal of Blocology at www.blocology.io forward slash journal. Sign up and I'll make sure that I send you the Healthy Bloke Action Plan. It would be enormously helpful if you've enjoyed the show, if you've got anything out of it, if you could pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or just leave a rating, that would be incredibly helpful. And any feedback is very welcome. And so you can leave comments, send email, or make contact via Twitter, Facebook, and the usual social media channels all of which can be found at blokeology.io. Thanks again.